Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Nursery Podcast. We are continuing our mini-series on families, and I am absolutely delighted uh, to be joined today by the Branch family. Now, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, but many of you may know of Charlie, Byron, and Dan Branch, and many of our older listeners may know about Charles Branch Sr., who is not with us anymore. But uh, welcome to the podcast. Let's have you guys go around and introduce yourselves. Well, thanks, Mike. I'm Charlie Branch. I'm the uh, uh, chair of the neurosurgery department at Wake Forest. I've been here 40 years now. And we moved here in 81. And so I've been uh, uh, blessed with a great neurosurgery practice and, and trainees. And so I've got some real sons that you're going to meet. And I have a whole host of professional kids that I've trained now over the last 30 years. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm uh, Byron Branch, and I'm a, a nurse surgeon in practice in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, with the Carolina Neurosurgery and Spine Associates uh, practice here in Charlotte. Uh, I've been with that practice for about five years now, and uh, I'm about an hour hour down the road from from mom and dad. Hey, hey Mike, I'm, I'm Dan Branch. Um, you know, I'm the I'm, I'm the, the, the third son. Uh, but you know, I, I've just started practice at, uh, in Tennessee, Jackson, Tennessee. Um, and you know, I work for uh, West Tennessee neurosciences, which, you know, it's, it's a state over, but you know, it's still about a, a seven and, you know, plus hours drive from, uh, from home. So, um, happy, happy to be here and, uh, participate with this. Great. Well, welcome to the podcast, and, and I'm so excited to be on with a Southern family. As as Charlie knows, I'm a Southerner myself. I've never le- lived north of the Mason-Dixon line, if you will. And as they say, we're American by birth, Southern by the grace of God, right? So um, I wanted to get into this commentary first about your your father, Charles Branch Sr., your grandfather for Dan and Byron. Um, Charlie, if you could, to educate our listeners, who your father was, describe him, and, and what his... Uh, what his stake and, and if you will, persona in neurosurgery was, because he was a very important and famous neurosurgeon and the, Mike, uh, the leader of Charles three generations Leon now of Branch, neurosurgeons, right? MD. You know, we didn't call him senior, but I was Charlie. He was Charles. Um, um, was born in Jackson, Tennessee, where his grandson, Dan, is now practicing. He went to med school at, and, and uh, at Vanderbilt and then went to the University of Chicago to do his neurosurgery training. And at that time, he had just finished his internship when the chief, Ted Rasmussen, was tabbed to be the, um, the um, um, chair, new chair of the Montreal Neurological Institute at, uh, in Montreal. Uh, Wilder Penfield had initiated that um, um, institute and uh, was retiring. Dad convinced uh, Ted Rasmussen to take him to Montreal with him to train. So Dad completed his neurosurgery training at the Montreal Neurological Institute and then stayed on the faculty with Wilder Penfield, Ted Rasmussen, Herb Jasper, uh, Bill Feindel, some of the really giants in epilepsy neurosurgery. Uh, And he he was their junior partner. He worked hard. um, And I was born there as all, were, all, all my siblings. Uh, late in the 60s, the French Canadians tried to separate Canada from Quebec. 
Quebec from Canada. Um, and so mom and dad being uh, American citizens moved back to the States to San Antonio. Dad had wonderful ideas that he was going to set up a world famous epilepsy center in San Antonio, but that just didn't happen. And his entrepreneurial or um, inquisitive nature sort of led him down the spine path. And he really embraced the uh, unique uh, virtues of the cloward lumbar interbody fusion. (laughs) And much of the same way that he'd been a pioneer in epilepsy surgery, he got to be a pioneer in lumbar fusion surgery and embraced and, and, and that and, and influenced me and many people and helps develop some techniques. And so ultimately, he had this amazing bimodal career path, both as a world famous epilepsy surgeon and then subsequently, effectively, a, a world famous uh, posterior lumbar interbody fusion surgeon. What a legacy uh, to carry on with the branch name and, and to have two generations with us today is quite an honor. Um, I myself uh, am the first physician in my family, but my, my dad is a lawyer and a few of my siblings followed in his footsteps. So I wonder if when you were all growing up at, at your various times, various generations, you know, when I saw my siblings growing up, there was never any direct pressure or influence pushing them to follow my dad into the law but they kind of naturally gravitated that way. I think maybe there's something in the water in my house or something in my family. We like to argue, we like words and language. And so I wonder if, you know, starting with you, Dr. Branch, and then with your sons who are with us, what was there encouragement? Was there direct, any kind of direct or explicit influence in that way? Or was there just a natural pull or a natural draw towards this field? Well, I'll start by saying Dr. Branch now is all three of us. Um, so you can certainly call me, um, uh, um, <laughs> it's hard to call me Charlie, I get it. But um, So uh, dad was, um, did not overtly uh, try to influence me to be a neurosurgeon, but his, um, his life and model were a very powerful force. He loved what he did. He um, um, was uh, not just passionate, but he was actually very, I use the term romantic, about his career as a neurosurgeon and what he could do and help people. Very proud of how he could help others. And he showed us that. And both as the epilepsy surgeon or even a, 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 as the spine surgeon, I was bathed in the reality that my dad loved what he did and it was helping people. That was pretty, that was a pretty powerful force. Now, I've got three brothers and a sister, and I'm the only neurosurgeon in the group. Uh, we have a lawyer, a dentist, a commercial real estate uh, developer. So um, um, I must have sucked up all the neurosurgery juices from my dad. Um, Byron, what, uh, how, how, did, how did, uh, did I twist your arm? No, I don't think I felt ever twisted or kind of pressured, I guess is the word, to go into neurosurgery. And actually, I was quite adamant for for a period of time that I was not going to go into neurosurgery. But um, I'd probably echo what you said about granddad and that, you know, even though I, I kind of thought I didn't want to maybe work as hard or be gone on nights or weekends as much as you were, um, I, I never questioned that you enjoyed what you do and, and, 
and uh, you enjoyed helping people. And uh, that was a um, one one of your pleasures or passions about kind of uh, why you did what you did. And uh, that was very evident to me as your son. Um, the I, I think there were, there were subtle things along the way where I can remember on several occasions throughout my childhood or even kind of <clears throat> in college as I was trying kind of to make the decision as to what to do with the rest of my life where uh, there would be conversations where uh, comments were made that, you know, that you, it's in your genes. I, I know you'll choose to do the right thing. I know uh, you'll com- eventually come to the light side, to the light side, and avoid the dark side, and, and this sort of stuff. But um, it, so, j- jokingly, kind of, there was there were little uh, you know tidbits that were dropped like that along the way. But uh, I honestly didn't feel any pressure um, about becoming a neurosurgeon. Um, so, Dan, 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 how about you? I mean, did, did I did I beat you up to be a neurosurgeon? No, absolutely not. But I mean, kind of along the lines of that, you know, the same thread that Byron mentioned was, you know, I don't think I was ever, you know, pushed or, you know, pulled to, you know, kind of follow in the, you know, the footsteps of, you know, granddad or or you. It's just kind of, you know, you kind of let us, you know, work things out by ourselves and make our own decisions and figure out what what we really wanted to do. Um, You know, it didn't become more evident until later on and you know, my education that, you know, you know, what you do is, is and what granddad did is, you know, a really fantastic thing. And you, you've helped a lot of people and, you know, that just really didn't cross my mind or become evident until, until later on. And that's kind of when I figured out that's what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, that phrase that it's in your blood. I mean, I, I think there's some, there's some truth to that. So, um, you know, uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you and Barn can kind of, you know, say the same. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that not only are all three of you neurosurgeons, but you've all settled geographically close to each other, if you will, and you all basically do spine surgery, right? If I if, if I gather correctly, right? Now, I mean, to me, that's like the highest compliment, Charlie, that um, that your sons want to follow in your footsteps and you followed in your father's footsteps. What do you think does drive them to do that? I mean, it's you, you've mentioned it's kind of in the blood. It's like the family business, but you've also got other family members that didn't do neurosurgery, right? What, what do you think it is that drives uh, Byron and Dan and then you to follow your father? Yeah, Mike, you and I both know that spine has kind of taken a bit of a bad rap inside neurosurgery, you know, with the cranial guys and the tumor guy. Well, they, they, spine always kind of gets the um, look askance. The, the, the intellectual stimulation, the opportunity to develop new uh, uh, technology techniques to, to help people pretty dramatically in spine surgery just became more and more obvious to me as I was finishing my training and started in my practice where I was doing everything. And when I started practice, I was the tumor guy, the vascular guy, the spine guy, the pain guy, everything. It was, it was great. But spine had a draw because you could help people in ways that were pretty dramatic. Uh, and that's just gotten better as our technologies changed. And so I'm hoping that it's the, 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 the intellectual and the, the stimulation that comes from pursuing something that really adds value that, that drove me to do it. I, 
Um, guys, is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. I would agree with that. I would add to that. Um, our family has always been one that when we're, we're not kind of sitting around brooding about neurosurgery and things neurosurgery, usually, you know, away from work, we, we are kind of very actively involved with kind of hands-on projects. And we had a farm growing up and, 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 you know, doing things ourselves and building and, and, and kind of working. And, um, and I think with, I personally think that with, with, with the, the nuances of, of kind of spine surgery and that subspecialty as compared to some of the other areas of neurosurgery, um, it is very much, um, you got the tools and the carpentry and thinking about, you know, how you're going to construct or deconstruct something and, 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 and that is a very enjoyable kind of part of, of uh, what we do kind of away from work. Uh, and, and so there, I don't know what the overlap is there, but I, I think there's something that kind of connects that and makes that this subspecialty intriguing uh, to me personally, just because of, of those facets of it. You know, using using tools and instruments and, and, and fixing things is, you know, something that, you know, uh, you know, my dad kind of did a lot and, you know, it's something that we kind of picked me and Byron probably both picked up on, you know, over the course of our, you know, growing up in North Carolina, it's like you, you know, what, what do you do on the weekends? Oh, you go fix, you go fix things that have broken, you know, broken lawnmowers or, you know, broken, you know, things around the house. And, you know, and that's something that's become enjoyable. And, you know, I think that's kind of translated uh, over to, you know, spine you know using instruments and tools and you know new techniques to you know to repair things and fix things and uh uh you know to try to make the person whole again uh and you know i, I just kind of wanted to add that that piece absolutely i mean that that's so fascinating to to consider growing up as many people do who wind up in a surgical or technical discipline just as you say fixing things working with your hands but in your case is obviously exposed not just to the everyday use of tools and the everyday uh, attempts to fix things, but directly exposed to your, your father working in the field that would become your own. And I, I wonder if, as we're talking about how not only did everyone wind up in neurosurgery, but wind up focused on spine, um, certainly practicing in different geographic regions, you're somewhat separated down there, but also um, training in different periods of time, but winding up within the same sub-discipline that is so driven technologically. I wonder how your practice patterns have developed differently. And, and are there any areas where, when inevitably you all talk about work at home and uh, talk shop, if you will, are there any areas where maybe one of you works in, in this field of spine, maybe you do arthroplasties, but another one doesn't. Are there any areas of contention maybe or, or ways that your practice patterns differ? Yeah, let's pick on Dan. Dan, so what do, you, what do you find the most attractive in spine right now? And let's see if me and Byron really think it's worth doing or not. Oh, that's uh, that's not putting me on the spot. No, of not. We never do that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I kind of like this, the whole new... Um, you know, I guess it's not new now, but it's been around for, you know, you know, at least a decade is, you know, you know, the, the artificial disc replacement. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I think that I've seen enough of it and, you know, that people really benefit from it. And, you know, I, that's what I'm, you know, 
would going to continue to to do uh, you know as, as long as i think people get better and you know um you know i i don't think y'all would disagree with me necessarily in in that so i mean we'll find out right uh, let's put you on the yeah. spot is, is, is lumbar artificial <laughs> yeah. disc replacement or arthroplasty is it something worth pursuing is that what you're going to pursue or not uh yeah i think you know i'm not one of the guys that is going to adopt the the newest technology as soon as it comes out, but I, I'm more of the one that will kind of wait and see and see how things go. And then kind of a, wait, there's more, you know, data out there and, and then kind of adopt it as it, it comes along. And, you know, as you know, there's uh, more evidence to show that it, it works and, you know, people get better from it. So Byron, uh, you're in the epicenter of arthroplasty in North Carolina. And now is Dan way too slow or uh, what's the deal? No, it sounds like he's adopt, you know, wanting to adopt that um, into his practice, kind of right out of the gates. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a big believer in the arthroplasty, and I do arthroplasty uh, myself um, in the cervical spine. I I do not do it currently in the lumbar spine, uh, and um, and some of my partners have, um, but it's still not a, a nearly as prevalent uh, of a practice uh, as the cervical uh, arthroplasty. Okay. Um, so I think for me personally, the, the verdict's still out on kind of the lumbar uh, arthroplasty, but I imagine that it, it will become more commonplace. And as that happens, um, I probably will incorporate that into my practice. You know, and so I'm going to be, uh, I'm the Luddite, right? I, 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 I was... I've made my career on enhancing lumbar interbody fusion, um, but uh, cervical arthroplasty has some merit, and um, I may or may not get to do a lumbar arthroplasty before I'm done. We'll see. But that answer your question there, JP? Absolutely, and, and I, I could I could immediately see the family dynamics set in. That was like a little window into Thanksgiving dinners, I imagine. Yeah. So along the lines of Thanksgiving dinner, I'm sure the conversation that comes up is there's three generations of branch neurosurgeons. Are we anticipating a fourth? Do any of your, uh, your kids or your nieces or nephews, do they seem to have that spark? Uh, and, and how are you, Byron and Dan, uh, dealing with that? Do you encourage them? Do you try to bring them to the lab or to the clinic? How, how is that looking for the branch family for the next generation? I don't know, dad, did I have a spark when I was, uh, Growing up, uh, that I was going to be a budding neurosurgeon. Um, I, the, I, I don't. I mean, personally, when Dad would try to take me to the hospital, usually it was like he, I would get dropped off with the nurses or the secretary, so he could go do rounds real quick on the weekends before we were off to do something else. And then once I got older and I got to go into the operating room, I actually found it to be rather boring because I didn't get to do anything, and I really wanted to be doing it. And it was bored uh, if you weren't participating. Uh, and so it was really boring. And so I didn't really go back and do that much. Instead, I kind of found things that I could get involved with myself where I started to participate more in medical and, and type things with being involved with EMS and fire departments. And I think one of the big things personally with our family that was a, a kind of a driving force for me in addition to that was actually dad would take us on medical mission trips around the world. And in those uh, environments, we were actually as kind of um, 
college and, and kind of pre-med medical students able to kind of do and experience some things that we might not otherwise um, be able to do. And, and, and that was really kind of captivating for me. So Dan, let's see, you, you, you did some surgical procedures on some of our pets as a, as a youngster, I think a hamster, guinea pigs. I know that your siblings can be uh, go into great detail on that. Was that what started your career path in neurosurgery? No. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't remember doing any surgical procedures on animals, but, you know, I guess everybody remembers things differently. But, um, you know, I, uh, I do remember doing surgical procedures on animals when I was in graduate school, but, you know, not as a kid. Uh, I, it's hard to say if that kind of really led me down the path to, you know, what I'm doing today, but uh, I, I'm sure it, it played it is a piece of the puzzle um, and played some role in it. Um, you know, uh, I can't say for, you know, specific incidents or anything like that, that, you know, or a light bulb that went off says, you know, that's, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. Or, uh, you know, at that time, but I, I think it's a multiple things over the course of time uh, growing up uh, kind of led me to, you know, like, like Byron said, you know, medical mission trips and certain experiences that, you know, kind of, you know, directed me into what I'm doing now. One of the great joys we had as a, I had as a dad, or as I use the term monkey in the middle, between while my dad was still alive and, and, and functioning as a, as a surgeon and while my kids are growing up, was we, we took trips, um, I think, both in, in Guyana and uh, Nigeria, several different places where dad and the boys and then our daughter, who's a plastic surgeon, were all involved as a surgical team together. And that was one of the most powerful family memories that I have. And I hope that um, Dan and, and Byron get to do the same thing uh, with and for their kids as well. What a, what a phenomenal image. I, I can only imagine. Well, in fact, I can't imagine what it must be like to working uh, to work alongside your immediate nuclear family like that. I, that's probably, if not a unique and almost unique experience in the history of our field. And I, I envy you that. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful image. Um, and so, as, as we reach the end of this conversation, and we were talking about the future generations and, and what may lie ahead, I wonder if before we wrap, we could look backwards once more time. One more time, because I, I wonder as you're entering the field of medicine and early in your training, and you know all of you bearing the name of you know a famous name within neurosurgery. I wonder if as you start coming down the the road into this field, what were the experiences like interacting with your peers? Did did they? Do you think they treated you differently? Did you interact with people differently, or did you just keep your head down and your eyes on the prize and, and carry forward with your training? Oh, let's see, Dan, you and you and Byron both kind of grew up in San had some time in San Antonio, where Dad's influence was still pretty prominent. Uh, how did that affect you, um, Byron? Why don't you go first? I, th I think it's hard to avoid the, you know, the elephant in the room or the kind of the fact at hand. I mean, dad and granddad were kind of very well recognized within our specialty. And, and, and so we, that was something that we kind of learned very quickly um, as a medical student and kind of starting your residency that that was um, 
that was something that you're going to have to kind of address wherever you went. And my, I don't know if I had a strategy for it. Fortunately, dad and granddad had a very good reputation and it was actually kind of a blessing to, to, to kind of when it came up in conversation because they were well respected. And, and so, um, and is kind of some, you know, you had got big shoes to try to fill and, and um, it, it, but at the same time, you kind of always remember to try and, um, pull my own weight and, and kind of be able not to to move forwards or make accomplishments based on kind of what somebody else did in my family or legacy, but actually be able to kind of earn my own way and, and kind of show my own merit and worth in, in, the, in the meantime. So um, th- that's kind of, I guess, how, how I kind of uh, tried to think about it going along, but, um, um, it, it was an unavoidable conversation. Um, and, but also trying to kind of acknowledge that and, and at the same time, um, you know, demonstrate to the others, uh, that, you know, um, I'm going to try to work hard and, and, and accomplish things, um, because, um, of who I am, not just because of what dad or granddad did. Yeah. I, I kind of echo what Byron said. I mean, I can't, I can't have, I don't know, I can't add a whole lot to that because that was sort of the same experience um you know except for the fact you know that uh you know when people figured out you know it's like oh your dad is charlie branch oh i know your you know i knew your grandfather you know this or that and they actually kind of you know it was more of a oh look that's really neat you know um you know i'm i'm, I'm glad you're here you know this, this that's this is really, really fantastic that you're following in your grandfather's and you know father's footsteps you know, I, I never, you know, I, I never, and I made, made it a, made it a point, you know, it's like, you know, just because, you know, of who, who my dad is or my grandfather was, I, I don't expect to be treated any differently than, you know, just, you know, another, you know, another resident, another person, um, you know, certainly. So, um, and, you know, I think they, they un- understood that, um, you know, and, uh, you know, but like like you said, it's it's hard to it's hard to for that not to be in the you know in the background um, a lot of the times. Um, but yeah, like like Byron said, you know it's it's a good thing that you know m- you know my dad and grandfather had a good reputation and you know people really liked them and you know they're very affable people. So um, I think that's what I had have to add for that. And I think what well, I'll add too, like, you know, we were very fortunate too. And I think our dad recognized that. And so, because we would ask him about kind of, well, how do we deal with such and such or uh, along the way? And, and I think he, he was very much trying to push us in the direction of kind of going places that weren't kind of always right under his wing and his immediate kind of vicinity. I mean, I potentially had an opportunity to maybe try to, you know, do my residency at his program or some of these other things. And, and, and it was kind of, well, you, you know, you might consider, you know, doing this somewhere else if, you know, or, or kind of go, going in these other directions because, you know, and, and you're kind of saying it like it was because, you know, uh, it's important that you, um, you know, demonstrate that, you know, and nobody can kind of raise the question or raise the issue that you got to where you have gotten to just because you were kind of under, under the wing, so to speak the whole time. I'd led the same experience, even, you know, dad was recognized in his field and 
I, I came out here to, to Bowman Gray or Wake Forest with Dave Kelly and he at his suggestion. Um, and um, but I was I was living and trained in an environment where my all all my whole faculty knew my dad and they were his friends. And but I had to I had to carry my own weight. I had to do it right. The real tension happened when we finished when I finished my training and they saw in me a potential to be an educator uh, here at Wake Forest and, and tried to convince me that I should seriously consider that. But to do that, they knew they were kind of uh, stiff in my dad and I would have to do the same thing since I kind of planned to go back to Texas to practice. So one of the really most difficult decisions I, I ever made was having to tell dad, I think I'm going to stay here at Wake Forest um, and not come home. But I believe he and all of us agreed that that was a very wise decision. He was very supportive of that and uh, uh, my biggest fan as I as I went down my early career path. What a beautiful sentiment. Um, you know, everyone on this call is a is a busy in the field of neurosurgery and it's your Sunday, so we don't want to take too much time away from you uh, spending the day with all of your own families. So we'll wrap the conversation here, but what a fascinating insight into, as I said, a very unique perspective within our field, um, this, this family lineage within neurosurgery. Uh, we want to thank you for your time and for your willingness to share this personal aspect of your lives, thinking not just, as we were talking about uh, in the past, coming up into the field, but what it's like now being in practice with uh, the memory of your father, um, your, your brothers next to you in the field. So uh, thank you to all Doctors Branch with us on the call today for coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, it would be a great, as I, what we didn't focus on, and I've got to acknowledge, and whether you want to include this or not, is the amazing support of spouses in this whole uh, venture. My mom um, allowed my dad to be him and for me to enjoy that uh, sort of um, bask in the glow of his neurosurgery. My wife did the same thing for me and my boys, and I, my son's wives are doing the same thing. So um, I think it'd be great for you to sort of for us to honor them and recognize them, but maybe a podcast for neurosurgical spouses and what their real role is in, uh, uh, in developing neurosurgical lineages or dynasties or whatever we want to call this. So, Great minds think alike. Stay tuned.